What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing and FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line is a motocross icon from Southern California. It goes by the name of Don Maeda. Don, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for making some time for us. You are the, the second of the Maeda brothers to, to be brought on in the month of March. How do you feel about that? Oh, boy. So I'm following Big Brother Ross, huh? Yes. With big shoes to follow. I was going to say, is that, is that common territory for you, following Ross? Man, I've, I've put it this way. He married a girl named Eileen, and about 15 years later, I did the same just because I wanted to be like him. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, man. Just, uh, come on, Eileen. Let's uh, let, let's get that together. That's a bad joke. But uh, um, th- thanks for coming on the show. I really do that. appreciate it. What? Sorry. <laughs> bad joke. No kidding. Really I, I have probably not an original one either. But uh, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate you you making some time for us. Only just recently in the rearview mirror is the uh, the Trans World uh, Trans Trans Am Vet. Uh, Vet Championship, Vet Classic, and uh, it, it's there was a ton of talk about it leading up to the the event. Uh, before we get into the event itself, what goes into putting an event like that together? Uh, what, like uh, obviously there was a, a ton of uh, like excitement leading up to it with all the videos you guys put out and uh, a pretty star-studded lineup of guys that actually ended up ride, racing it. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> honestly, I can't speak to uh, what goes into the event. Uh, completely, you know, we do have a, a full-time, uh, race event staff, uh, Craig Davis and Aaron Cook. They, uh, they run things on the logistics and, you know, the actual hands-on getting things done. Um, my job is to help with getting the word out and the promotion of the event. And, uh, in, the, in this instance, it was kind of, I was tasked with, uh, getting some name brand writers out there, you know, so. I, uh, I made a couple calls, and <laughs> I was blown away when RV agreed to come. I, uh, no kidding. I was, I was talking to him. You know, it's funny. The guy, 
the guy throughout his racing career, especially in the latter years, you know, you could tell it was a job. And he was not shy about saying that, you know. Oh, it's a job. It's a job. And uh, at one point he told me, I don't know if I'll ever ride a dirt bike again. But, uh, dude, I mean, you you were in California for a while. You probably saw him at at a track riding for fun, you know. I mean, the guy's nuts. He goes riding at Milestone on a Sunday with all the kooks. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's he's one of the kooks. Yeah, I mean, he loves it now, and it, it, it's awesome to see that you know he took some time off and he's he's riding dirt bikes because he's having fun and enjoying it. So, on one of those days, I actually was at a milestone on a weekend, and he was there. And, you know, of course, he's like kicking at me and running me off the track and stuff and laughing. So we're we're BSing in between motos, and I said, "Hey, how old are you?" He's like twenty nine. When are you gonna be thirty? and i think he's in august or something and i'm like hey we're having this big bet race and we decided to classify the ages by the age you'll be on new year's eve so right. you qualify come make your come make your vet racing debut with us and he just laughed you know and he's like yeah right i go, no seriously come out and he's a wall how long are the motos i'm all probably like eight laps ten laps he's all bro that's way too long you're trying to act like he's not in shape. And then how many motos? And well, there's going to be three motos over two days. And he's just denying me and denying me. And the next time I saw him at the track, I asked him again. And I'm like, look, dude, come on, just come out. It'll be good for you. You know, you make a race appearance on a, on your new Yamaha and your new answer gear. You know, it'd be good for everybody. But then all of a sudden he said, yeah. And I couldn't believe it. And, so he said yes, he'd come. I told him that I would pay his entry fee and, and you know, sweep his gate or whatever, and we were laughing about that. Save him some money, yeah, for you sure. He's, he's in the market for that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't expect him to really come. You know, I just thought he was getting me off his back, but lo and behold, a couple of days later, he calls me and goes, hey, all right, uh, Mitch is going to do my, my stuff, and Bones is going to do my suspension, and he called me a couple days later. He's like, oh, yeah, Mitch is going to send John out with a box fan. You know, John Mitchiff is yeah, the original yeah, yeah. mechanic. And, oh, yeah, and, uh, and yeah, I'm like, whoa, mechanic. he's into it. You know, he's he was totally getting into it. And I'm like, wow, he he's he's all in, you know. And then I said, well, hey, let's meet up Paula and do a little promo video. You know, because if I if he was on a video saying I'm racing the Trans Am, he's got to show up, right? For and sure, yeah. Fun. There's no backing out now. No, uh... that That's... That's how I got him in my mind committed, you know. So he did it, and I was like, "Yeah." And the best, the best phone call I got got from him was uh, he called me. And he's all, it was maybe about eleven in the morning. And he's all, "Bro, I'm leaving the gym." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you're training for this, huh?" And he's all, "I did the rower for twenty minutes, and I did eight pull-ups." <laughs> I was just like, "This is the best." I mean, I've always always enjoyed RV's company because he's yeah, yeah, funny yeah. but he, he's even more fun now you know and so lo and behold the guy shows up and puts on a riding clinic and wins all three motos as expected you know but uh it was cool to see him out there interacting with the other old you know the other old guys the older old guys and just parked pitted on vendor's row and you know and didn't have like uh you know, banners around or anything, so he's easily accessible to everyone and shaking hands, taking photos, signing autographs. Um, it was pretty funny. Several times I walked by and he's actually like 
wiping his bike down with a rag and he's putting his own gas in. I'm like, whoa, whoa, do you know what you're doing, dude? Yeah, no kidding. But uh, he's just one of us now, but, you know, like an exceptionally fast one of us. No kidding. All the videos that I saw, it's still it's still RV. It's still that same, like the style. He comes out of the corners, and it, it's just the your, your riding style is your riding style. It never really leaves you. In a lot of ways, I think of um, uh, RV's exit of the sport was a little bit tragic in the fact that yeah, you like like you said, he was like almost he'd been completely over it a number of years. That it was a total job for him. And uh, but glad to see him uh, come back to it a little bit, enjoy it, uh, like be rubbing his hands together and getting ready for this race and uh um and for you it's almost like you were uh, you were asking the pretty girl out to the prom and uh she said yes <laughs> yeah yeah you could put it that way i was shocked but uh <laughs> it, was, it was i mean i mean he brought the star power as did jeremy you know uh, my uh my publisher don wilson he's he's he grew up with with mcgrath so they're real tight oh, and, nice. uh, you know so i said hey hey get get Jerry to come out. And, you know, I think Jeremy hadn't raced in six years For and, sure. uh, getting him to come out, I think was not a big deal, but getting him to actually line up behind a gate and race was a uh, pretty big accomplishment by all means, I think. And, uh, it's cool watching him, you know, he got out there and he battled with Kiefer, uh, and, you know, and then getting Kiefer to come was cool too, you know, cause he's, he's not a trans world guy. He's a pulp and, you know, Kiefer testing ink guy, but yeah, you know, we're all buddies. And I'm like, hey, come out and race. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was already in, for sure. Absolutely. He, uh, uh, it's it's a culture down there. You guys, although segregated by uh, whatever publication you work for, I think you're still all part of the same community. And, uh, like, uh, vice versa, if if, if Kiefer was, uh, if he ever got to the point where he was hosting his own event, uh, a Kiefer Inc. Uh, vet vet championships, I, 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 I guess he would probably hope that uh, that you, you sign up as well because uh, you yourself oh, uh, get behind the, the gate as well. Yeah, I, absolutely. I totally would. But uh, yeah, Kiefer whole shot, and he led McGrath for a lap or so. And <laughs> I think he, uh, Jeremy was telling us that you know he was like behind Kiefer, and Kiefer looked over and pointed at him, and he just goes, "Oh, that's it, I gotta win." But uh, yeah, Chris threw out the taunt, and Jeremy whipped it up, and uh, so yeah, he won the first uh, forty promoto. Uh, Pretty impressively, but uh, hey, I, I don't know if you heard about this. I think you probably saw it on Sleater's Instagram, but right, <clears throat> man, I think the coolest thing I saw all weekend was uh, the, the two-stroke class. Uh, I think Sean Lapanovich was leading, and uh, Mike Sleater was second, and Jeremy was third. And Sleater uh, in a really, really fast uphill jump section of the track, he dragged his toe on the face of the jump and got ripped off the bike and i guess he ragdolled super hard and slammed his head the back of his head on the ground and was knocked out and dude jeremy pulled over made sure sleater didn't get hit and got the bike off the track and stayed by him until he woke up and i mean dude if that's not a class act i don't know what is and it's just pretty dang pretty dang impressive and it just goes to show you what what a great ambassador for a sport jeremy is 
Absolutely. And like uh, throughout his career, as well as uh, since his leaving of, uh, of professional racing, I think uh, that's exactly what Jeremy McGrath is and, and has continued to be is an ambassador, a role model and, and a guy who's just he does it right. And uh, I, that doesn't the, the story doesn't surprise me at all. Um, like even to the like I, my my exchanges with Jeremy have always been absolutely like just one of a kind. They're sterling. Um, like the fact that the first time I went down to California, not this year, but the year prior, uh, I happened to meet him at one of the races, and he goes, uh, "Hey, how's your how's your trip going?" I was like, "I'm looking around, and I'm like, did he, did he is he talking to the person behind me?" Like, Jeremy <laughs> McGrath actually follows me on social media, and like he he was at all somewhat interested and even took the time to ask a question that to me is is another just another example of a guy who uh he takes interest in his sport he loves his sport and uh gives back to it in, in this case caring for uh, a down mr sleater yeah it was it was pretty cool it was definitely uh, i think for me it was the highlight of the weekend um just yeah guy's badass Definitely. I'm going to have to, uh, I, I'm 30 this year. I'm an 88 as well as uh, Mr. Villapoto. So I think I'm going to have to circle this one on the calendar and uh, and come down next year uh, as a true 30-year-old uh, and, and, and compete. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe not in the pro class, but uh, uh, if, if there's a, uh, um, I don't think I'm, I'm heavy enough for the Clydesdale, so it'll probably be like 30-plus uh, novice or 30-plus intermediate. Yeah, are your skills on a motorcycle as good as on a mountain bike with no helmet? Uh, they're about on par. Yep. <laughs> nice. For those who don't uh, don't know the story behind that, like you're snapping photos in probably one of the the easier corners of the luge. Everyone that's coming by is fully decked out in all co- all, all the um the 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 necessary safety equipment to ride a bicycle. And then what do you see? I see a guy come around the corner, and I think jeans, t-shirt, and a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> That's right. Back, like, I, I, I showed up to this 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 ride day. I had no idea, honestly, uh, of how gnarly of a ride it was going to be. I, I honestly, I thought like if, if any of these pro motocrosses are on it after the day after a one, it must be pretty mellow. Um, as far as a, a prairie kid r- riding a mountain bike for the first time in six months, it was anything but mellow. Uh, but I did pretty so good, in, pretty good trail, huh? no doubt. Oh, for sure. Like knowing yeah. that that is like uh, at all accessible into the area I'm at, I think uh, I'm gonna have to put a, a greater importance on uh, mountain biking the next time I down, come down to California. But I had a great time. That was a really really cool event. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, yeah, so we're talking about the. Uh specialized day one ride days that happens yeah. the morning after Anaheim one. But, uh, yeah, that was my third time and it was, it was a lot of fun. I was just actually, actually this year I was like too tired from working the night before. So that's why I, uh, I took the old pedal assist and parked myself with a backpack and a camera and shot photos of everybody instead of riding. Absolutely. Well, everyone appreciates the photos. I, I, it was a, a fond memory from my trip down to California. But uh, yeah, it was awesome <laughs> that you were able to to to, to do that, and uh, everyone super uh, enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. So, hey, switching back to the Trans Am, what did you yeah. think of the uh, Clydesdale class? I think that's really <laughs> cool. Honestly, uh, it, to me, um, it's it's it just makes the the race completely inclusive. There's a lot of guys who kind of look at at the the roster of riders that are going to uh, attend, and it kind of it it, it seems daunting, to, especially for someone who's of a uh, let's say a heavier carriage, uh, a plus size yeah. gentleman, and uh, <laughs> they, they, like if you have a one Clydesdale who's going class, accustomed to the good life. 
For sure, absolutely. <laughs> maybe like a, a Dale Spangler of sorts uh, that uh, that is maybe at yeah. one time twisted a throttle, but uh, uh, is is more reluctant to nowadays. Or maybe like a Steve Mathis uh, that twist top, twist yes. top of a beer. That that's a hundred percent truth. And uh, R.I.P. Dirt Buzz. Uh, um, as as a side note there, but uh, I think it's great. I, I would I would love to see more more guys going out there, and, and maybe one maybe one day they're in the third. It was a, the the Clydesdale class, and then uh, five years down the road, they're riding so much that they're no longer in it. Yeah, you know. Hey, I'll mean? tell you what, though. So I created that class, kind of kind of as a joke. You know, one of my best friends, Dominic. Uh, Caden. Right. He, uh, he's one of our ad sales guys. <clears throat> so he's my carpool buddy and riding buddy, mountain bikes and motorcycles. We spent a lot of time together and I'm always teasing him because, you know, he's, he started off with this term, the program, because he was, I think one, at one point, a couple of years ago, he went on that South beach diet Okay. and he dropped a bunch of weight, but it was like, Hey Dahmer, let's, uh, let's stop by Chick-fil-A on the way home. And he'd go, Oh no. Oh, oh no. That's, that's not on the program. And so that's where the whole hashtag, the program thing came from. Okay. And, uh, yeah, his latest thing now is he's been vegan for three months and he's dropped some weight. But so as always, anytime I catch him slipping, I always take a picture of him. I put on my Instagram, Oh, the program, the program in full effect. But Hey, a little public shaming day, from uh, your friends can go a long way to getting in the right spot. Yeah. <laughs> so, one day, I was trying to find out how much he weighed, and he wouldn't tell me. And I was like, man, you know what? We need to have a Clydesdale class at, at the Trans Am. And uh, we were at Glen Helen one day, and uh, my video guy, Casey Davis, had his camera on. Why film me? Because Dahmer was getting dressed, and that started to start talking smack about <clears throat> the Clydesdale class. And I called after I made that video, I called Craig Davis and I was like, Hey, can we add one more class to the roster for trans Am? And he's like, what's that? Well, Clydesdale class, but 200 pounds is too easy for a tall guy to accomplish. So it's gotta be 220 at least. So we did it. And lo and behold, it was the largest number of entries. So it was the biggest class in entries and in size. So I think we had 26 guys sign up for the Clydesdale class. And I'll tell you what, the top like five guys were super fast. Heck yeah, pretty awesome to see. No, but, uh, I, I would yeah, love to fun. see Steve get in there. Yeah, definitely. Mathis, I, I tried getting him out. I told him that I would pay his entry, I'd sweep his gate, I'd put gas on his bike, and he, he wasn't having it. Having none but, of it. Uh, if 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 all of those cool. you know, riders funny, were though. just meeting the required weight class for that, you had six thousand one hundred and sixty pounds worth of motocross racers on the line at that moment. <laughs> definitely, definitely, it was a it was a heavy affair. That that's impressive. But the funny the funny thing is that it was like I forgot what whatever moto it was, but there were as many spectators that came out to the infield to watch the Clydesdale first moto as came out to watch RV win the pro class. I love it. Uh, and I assume that maybe even <laughs> RV was on the, uh, watching that particular moto. Cause that, uh, oh, yeah, he was watching. We were laughing. That's wonderful. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and like, that's just that, like, it's just one of those things that it just, it encompasses motocross. Cause motocross to me is the most inclusive sport. And I think, uh, you'd agree that like, uh, for me as a young athlete, 
playing hockey, if you're no good, you ride the pine. When the when the race co- or the game comes down to the final few minutes, if you're no good, you're not playing. But with motocross, regardless of what you what size you are, regardless of how fast you are, the gate drops for everybody, and uh, and it's basically all encompassed by uh, the Clydesdale class, and, and basically just including everyone. I think that's really cool. Yeah, you know what's cool about motocross <clears throat> is your enjoyment of the sport is entirely dependent on your personal experience and your own perception, right? Totally. So, like, you could suck. You could be, like, like backmarker in the 125. Well, I said 125. That dates myself. Yeah. You could be a backmarker in the 250 beginner class, right? Yeah. But if you go through the the turn before the finish line, the rut, and you go through it without powering your foot, or you go through it the best you've ever gone through it, you're just like going, bro, everybody is watching me right now. Did they oh, see yeah. me go through that corner? So, I mean, it, it's just totally, you, you, and you, you could be no good, and you could totally enjoy it. If Absolutely. you just have a little bit of a personal best, and that, that's what's awesome. Yeah, and the my funny fastest thing about lap that time. Ross and I. Yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Ross and, I, Ross and I joke about this, too. It's like, you know, you, you hit a jump perfect, and you just do it perfect the first time, and you're just like, oh everybody's watching me, you know? Yeah. And then you come in and you go, hey, dude, did you see me hit that jump? I'm like, huh? What? Are you, you're racing? But if you go out there and you loop out, everybody sees you. Of course everybody saw <laughs> everybody that. And, and that was the one time the guy had his phone out to film you. Like, he's never taken a video of his entire life, but he had it out when you looped out coming out of that corner. Um, Definitely. Absolutely. And, like, motocross, like, to me – is and I, I think to a lot of people is my fastest lap time to me is your fastest lap time to you is Eli Tomac's fastest lap time to him. It's all perception of of where that edge is for you personally, and I think that's why uh, when you leave the motocross track for the very first time, and 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 it's the same for everybody. You will get nods and and waves and like a little bit of a, a gesture from just about everybody that you make eye contact with leaving because everyone kind of has that. Uh, mutual respect for like, hey, this is gnarly. I did something today that I've never done, or I've I, like I rode my best, you rode your best, and see you next weekend, sort of thing. I think that's really cool about it. Yeah, absolutely. But that's kind uh, of okay. kind of kind of the, the allure of vet racing to me too. Is I like you know, like if you're at a race this weekend, the, the vibe is so different when it's all vets. You know, it's like we're all there. None of us are going to be the next superstar. You know, we're just all out to have a good time and make it out of there unscathed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Just get having some fun on two wheels, getting that throttle therapy so we can our, our day jobs can be just that little bit much more uh, uh, digestible during the week so we can look forward to more times on two wheels. We're going to throw it to commercial break right, he, right here on the Big MX Radio podcast show. But when we come back, we're going to talk about... Co- Mixing gas, hauling ass, two-stroke races, and a little video called Premix 2. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. 
FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like Zipper Lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at flyracing.com. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drake's has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Edicknap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com, as well as the collective ex on instagram is where you can find the collective experience do so immediately the collective experience nobody gets you closer what's wrong jeff i don't know jay well you better feel up with the nutritious breakfast with oats and bran oats and bran i didn't think there was such a that's what i used to think now i start out every morning with a bowl of amigos for extreme kids like us That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. What's up, guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, B.C., May 25th for the Next Level Tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have death-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. 
Hey, Big MX listeners, just wanted to take a moment to uh, let you guys know about Viral Brand and Viral Brand Goggles. Uh, Viral Brand Goggles are a relatively new company, and we've been working with them for about a year now, and uh, they've got some really cool things going on, which include uh, not only when you buy a pair of goggles, you will not only get a goggle bag, which of course you get with most goggle bags, but uh, with most goggles rather, but uh, you'll also get tear-offs, you get a 10-pack of tear-offs, and you also get an extra clear lens to go along with your mirrored lens than uh, the tinted lens that the goggles come with. Uh, so it's kind of a more, of a more of a package than it is just a set of goggles, which if you're going to buy goggles, you're going to need an extra lens, you're going to need tear-offs. So they take care of all that stuff for you, and uh, $74.99 US is uh, an easy asking price. They've also got a 30-day money-back guarantee. If uh, Their best fit challenge, if your goggles don't fit your helmet within the first 30 days, get them back to Viral, for uh, and, and they'll take care of you, no questions asked. Uh, so check out the theviralbrand.com today and uh, and and see what the kind of products and the uh, the accessories that they've got. I love the goggles myself and uh, can't wait to see you guys enjoying them as well. Take care. Hey guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back. Big MX Radio podcast on the line with Don Maeda, the one, the only. Uh, swap. I want to talk two strokes for a second this, uh, because in three days' time, the same track that uh, that you you were uh, basically home to this last weekend uh, is now race is now hosting a two-stroke race, which um, it's it's like the the support has waned just a tiny bit. But for the most part, in the last maybe three four years, nothing gets more attention on my social media than a two-stroke Tuesday post, <laughs> and uh, we're going to get a lot of content out of the next couple of days. Definitely, you know what. I- Backing up a little bit, to be fair, yeah. it is the MTA distributing two-stroke world championships. Got to give props to my guy Jeff over at MTA. MTA supporting the race for sure, absolutely. Anyone who's <laughs> willing to support a two-stroke race has my vote, uh, and they've recently put together a pretty potent-looking uh, CR125, which will most likely be featured uh, in that race. But uh, do you plan on lining up yourself? Yeah, you know, um, it's pretty funny. Last year was the first year I actually did it. Uh, I had come across an old test bike that I had bought from Suzuki and then sold. Uh, I, I had a chance to reacquire it, so I bought it back and fixed it up. So I had this 2005 RM250. That was kind of a project to get back to, back to uh, original condition, and uh, the whole goal was to race it at that race. And I took it out last year and I raced it, and dude, it's been so long since I rode a two stroke, like for any significant amount of time, I was like flying off the corners cause there's no engine braking. And I was like <laughs> looping out over the jumps and stuff. And, and it was terrible. And, uh, I rode it like two times before the race and I went to the race, got through both motos and had a lot of fun a lot of fun and ended up uh i think i got third in my class but i was sitting there after the race looking at the bike and thinking about all the money i had sunk into it and i was like man i don't know that i'll ride this thing for fun anymore as much fun as this race was i'll probably ride it at the end of dirt and maybe here next year and i was like dude that's a lot of money to be sitting there in my garage and just as a joke i wrote a caption on instagram like anyone want to buy this thing Dude, I sold it within, I think, 25 minutes. Someone oh, bought sure. it for me on Instagram. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I'm done with this two-stroke thing. 
but then lo and behold, here the race comes around again. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I want to do that again. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, the, the track develops completely differently at that race. Like, uh, man, the, the braking bumps are like crazy peaky sharp bumps. And, uh, I remember last year going into a braking section and going, Oh my God, I'm going to just eat crap here. And then the bike doubled it right up. It was no big deal. But, uh, yeah, so it's funny how differently the, the track, uh, develops and how differently you have to ride and everything. Better lines. Oh yeah. But, uh, so yeah, it was such a good time that I was like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta do this. So I had, I actually had to repo my bike back from Wuhan cause, uh, you know, we used our 2018 YZ250 test bike. Uh, we decked it out with, uh, star racing Yamaha, Yamaha graphics and had Wilhan ride it right, right, for right. the part. And, and uh, I'd actually let him hold on to it ever since then. <laughs> so I called him, Hey dude, I need my bike back. Ooh, so I got a back and, phone call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, peeled off his graphics and put my own on last night. Anxious and ready to go this weekend. Absolutely. Like for a guy like myself, I still ride a two stroke for uh, more budget reasons. I'm sure I could probably drop some lap times uh, if I went back to four strokes. But uh, to me, it's it's the simplicity of being able to work on it. And uh, and just the, 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 the when I race, uh, if you beat me and you're on a four stroke, you're supposed to. And if you if I beat you and you're on a four stroke, I'm on a two stroke. So it's, it, there's yeah. no losing when it comes to racing a two stroke. And this weekend, uh, everyone's going to be on even footing and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the results. I think it like, it uh, has the same flavor to me as the, as the vet race. No one really takes it that seriously. So you can just go out there and get the throttle therapy you need. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, let's see, last year we fielded, uh, you know, our test rider at Talon LaFontaine. He, uh, he raced uh, our YZ250 last year <clears throat> in the 250 Pro Class. But uh, I don't know if you know who he is or if you follow him on social media, but he had this crazy he had this crazy crash last year while he was practicing for Supercross where he crashed and his bike slapped down and the handlebars were sticking straight up. And he landed on his bike chest first and he his bars poked a hole in the upper part of his chest right below his collarbone. Holy crap. He had this crazy hole in his body, like it, it, it was like unbelievable this injury that he got. But anyway, so he had done that, and uh, they stitched it all up. And he he he'd been riding like maybe two days before the two stroke race, and we were like, "Hey, you got to do this race." <laughs> so he got on on this two stroke and uh, consistently set the fastest lap times to the first moto charged through the pack, ran down Zach Bell, and then just, you know, arm pump set in because he was lacking fitness from being injured for, you know, six, seven weeks. Yeah. So we're uh, we're going back there to uh, try to get a, get a W in the uh, Team Trans World column, results column. So this year he's going back on, uh, well, he's, he's on the, the HEP Suzuki racing team for Supercross, but because Suzuki doesn't make a current, 250 uh chris wheeler from suzuki gave him permission to ride any brand that he wants so we put him on our uh, ktm 250 and uh, the guys at bill's pipes are building it up and uh i think he's going to be one of the top guys 
Definitely, and Bill's Pipes definitely makes a potent uh, two-stroke pipe. I think that's where they, they put a, a lot of their focus. Uh, but also, uh, most would, wouldn't know that uh, a lot of those uh, world-renowned photos that are taken, uh, that are guaranteed, I probably about, uh, they were basically wallpaper for me growing up, I'm not going to lie. Um, a lot of those photos are taken uh, at the Bill's Pipe Studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the lunchroom. Yeah, when I moved to Corona... What, some 16 years ago? Uh, you know, Bill and I are old friends from back when I worked at Cycle News. He, uh, he was pretty excited to hear that I was moving close to him. and He, he met me and come look at my house when it was still just a frame. And uh, my house, the layout, I have two different separate garages. And I was like, okay, this one is going to be, you know, my, my wife's garage and half my bikes. And this one's going to be a photo studio. He's like, well, why would you do that? I'm all... My office is, you know, all the way down in Carlsbad, and having a photo studio in Corona would be much easier to get riders to come to. Right. And more convenient for product and stuff. And he's all, oh, you can use my lunchroom. <laughs> so, so, yeah, lo and behold, he, 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 let me, uh, he let me use his, uh, convert his lunchroom into a little makeshift photo studio, and I've been there for 16 years, and I, I, shoot his product photography for him and and uh, help him out with bikes to help develop pipes for and man i've got a pretty convenient little uh nook in the back room that you do absolutely actually when i first saw the room i'm looking at it i'm like i've seen umpteen different bikes being like being placed in that exact backdrop and i probably don't even realize it that it's used that frequently but it's uh, it's there and uh it's a cool little piece of history that i saw last time i saw brandon down at bill's pipes yeah pretty funny it's pretty funny uh one day uh brandon asked me something about photography and i was like oh yeah you just plug your thing in here and do this and <laughs> catch him back there all the time using my parts using my equipment there you go <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. He's, yeah, no, he's he's become quite the studio photographer himself. As long as he don't break uh, anything, rebel. There you go. As yeah. long as he doesn't break anything, right? Exactly. So, uh, how does premix one and two really become like? Uh, what's the where's the brainchild to that? How does it evolve and? Um, and, and how do you know that the uh, the market is is kind of thirsty for a video series like this? I, I I've watched both videos uh, probably forty or fifty times now. Love them. Uh, they they live on my my laptop, and uh, every, pretty much any time that I'm on a plane, I, I watch it. Or if I'm bored at home, I watch it again. Um, how have those videos kind of become uh, a modern day uh, Revelation One Nine Nine Trans uh, Terra Firma? Well, uh, you know, as you all know, there's like two strokes have become really cool all of a sudden, you know, it's like now having the, the trickest 450 isn't the cool thing that gets the ooze and ahs of the track. It's like having some restored two strokes. Like, like is, uh, as sad as it is, it's like you could show up with a 2018 KTM 250. That's all badass, Right. And like right. people won't look twice, but if you have a 06 RM250, that's pretty cherry or, uh, or gosh, even a KX, you know, like people like come over and look at it, you know, it's like, oh, sure. that thing. Oh, do- but, definitely. Uh, 
you know, so one, uh, here's where, where I actually got the idea is like, you know, obviously two strokes have gotten cooler and cooler and like people are interested in them and, right. you know, they love the sound and, you know, you know, Oh, heaven forbid, should you put music over a two stroke video? You just get ripped to pieces in the comments, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, you idiots. The, the music is the bike. But, uh, so one day we had our YZ125 and uh, Ryan Surratt, before he turned pro, was, you know, doing testing for us. And I was like, hey, hey, here, put my GoPro on. Go out there. And he's like, okay. The, the way <laughs> totally. the Ryan Surratt says, okay. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> does this big wheelie through the pits and goes out and just rips some blistering laps and does knack-knacks and big whips and stuff. And we put it on our... Uh, on our website, I mean, at the time, Ryan Surratt was still a B rider. Okay. All right. It is, and this is, this is kind of sad considering how much effort we put into some of our videos. It's the number one viewed video that we've ever put out. I love it. Period. I actually love this that. GoPro video with Ryan Surratt on YZ125. And, uh, so that's just like, that really opened my eyes to the fact that people are thirsty for two stroke content, you know? And, uh, it's funny. Premix one was a, was a solution to a couple of problems. One, we had, we were expected by corporate to put together a movie. And two, uh, I'm not a big fan of slow motion, you know, uh, when it's done right, it's awesome. But like sometimes like, these movies have way too much slow on them. Yeah. And I'm more, granted a slow-mo clip, 120 frames of something exceptional happening is like, it's beautiful. Right. Right. But <clears throat> when it first, when cameras first started doing 120, it was like, everybody just would like, the guy starts jumping and boof, super slow-mo. Right. And I'm like, I was so over that, um, effect. Secondly, the video camera I own didn't do 120 frames per second. So <laughs> I don't I think like, it's, it's not cool because mine doesn't do it. I don't have the technology to do it cool. <laughs> mine only does 60 frames. And uh, so there's that. And then there's the challenge of music rides, right? So, like, if you do slow-mo, you've got to have music in your movie. Right. And I'm like, dude, what? let's just do a movie that's, like, got no music and no freaking slow-mo. And then I was, like, sitting there, Jordan Powell worked with me at the time, and I'm like, Dude, let's do an all two stroke movie. And we were laughing, like, yeah, then we don't have to use any music or slow mo. And uh, so then we started writing down on paper who we could get and who would have a two stroke or who would ride a two stroke that we could provide. And uh, I'll tell you what, the premix one was like the perfect storm of ideal conditions. It was like, it fell together so perfectly. I called my friend AJ Wagner at the, you know, now defunct service Honda dealership that gain fame from making these 500s and aluminum frames. But uh, I called him and said, hey, dude, can I give me bikes I could borrow for this movie? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he sent me a 500 Honda and a, a KX250. And so we got Christian Craig to ride the 500 Honda. We got Jeremy to ride the KX250. And he ended up liking it so much that he bought it. And, you know, that's the bike he still rides around today. Right. Um, you know, and then RV had had his kicks 250 that uh mike williamson had built for him as a as a championship present and we flew up to washington and filmed him and it just came together perfectly suzuki had that aluminum frame 
<clears throat> project bike that they built and we got tickle on that. And, uh, it was funny. It, it premix one came together. I think from the first shoot to the time we finished editing it and turned it into iTunes was like two and a half months. I think it was just amazing how quickly that's a quick turnaround. Yeah. So then the next year we're like, Oh dude, we're going to do premix two. And we had all these people committed that wanted to do it. Stuart wanted to do it. Um, I helped him get a bike from service Honda. So he had an arm 250 made. So, I mean, we tentatively had Chad Reed, Stuart, uh, we had Cole Seeley, we had Jesse Nelson and some others lined up. And then it was the perfect storm of terrible situations. Right. Jesse got paralyzed. Cole blew out his shoulder. James went missing in action. Still is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but we couldn't make it happen. So, uh, premix two didn't happen the second year. And, uh, that's why we did the Axel Hodges movie instead, which sold phenomenally well because that kid's so popular. But so yeah. this year I was like, well, or rather last year, I was like, dude, we got to do premix two because people were pumped on one. Like one is the premix one was the cheapest, quickest, but best selling movie we've ever made. Like out of, you know, 12 movies that we've ever put together. And, uh, so this year we did premix two and, uh, again, this one kind of came together pretty quickly too. Like, like the shoot that we had at Paula with, uh, Colt Nichols, Jordan Smith, Alex Martin and David Millsaps. Right. That was like crazy the way it came together. Like so easily. Um, I think we were supposed to just shoot with, uh, Jordan Smith and Colt Nichols. And then I went on a GoPro launch in San Francisco and Millsaps was there and we ended up hanging out all day. I'm like, Hey, we're filming in two days from Phoenix. You want to come do it? And he's like, yeah. So I had to like get another bike and Yamaha didn't have another one for me. So I actually called Mark Tilly, who's the, one of the editors at dirt bike. And I was like, can I borrow your 250? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So we actually had some assistance from another title. There you go. For that shoot. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then Alex Martin, we were like, Hey, come out and film on a, on our 150. And for some reason, he he kept thinking CRF 150, which was puzzling. Like yeah, we make, yeah. See, he thought we were making fun of him because he's small. But anyway, <laughs> as it turns out, we had four guys that day. It was pretty awesome. And then, uh, to be fair, he yeah, does have else. 15 mils on his foot pegs. So yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and and honestly, that that. That uh, video or that segment is, for the for for the most part, the last we really see of Davy Millsaps before he retires. Yeah, that, that's kind of crazy. Is that I think I'm the only guy that filmed Millsaps on a Yamaha the second time around. You know, yeah, it, when he signed with him. So I, I want to say we filmed with him on a Friday, and I think he got hurt on a Tuesday or something. It was gnarly. Like I. I you know, I talked with him quite a bit after that, and it mm-hmm. was pretty, pretty gnarly how bad his injuries were and everything. Obviously, you know, as you know now, it's career-ending. But yeah, I feel uh, I feel really lucky to have seen him and to be the last guy that got the film. You know, oh, a hundred percent. I I was at his ever, first ever Supercross, two thousand four, Minneapolis. The kid looked like a deer in the headlights. 
Um, and but he still performed admirably for throughout that rookie season. And he's he's always been that kind of that talent that we that never I don't think ever fully got unlocked. Kind of left a lot of people hoping to see all of what was inside. And uh, but he he had an amazing career. And uh, the only like the thing that kind of uh, like bums me out is that I, is that I'm not too sure if uh, the injuries he sustained with his last injury or la- his last crash are, are anything that's ever going to completely leave him. And I think that's that's uh, kind of one of the um, the. Uh, the tragic stories or tra- tragedies about the sport of motocross is that uh, a lot of times or su- certain times um, these guys like it's not like football where you sprain a knee and uh, six years later you're living a pretty normal life. Like uh, I don't know if, if um, Davey Millsaps will ever be able to exercise without getting headaches or feeling lightheaded, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah I, I spoke with him about his, uh, about his concussion and it's, it's pretty serious. I, I hope that it comes together for him. I mean, I've, I've had, I've had a couple pretty gnarly concussions myself and, mm-hmm. and I can definitely sympathize with them. I mean, one of them in particular, uh, I, I broke my eye socket and I had double vision that wouldn't go away. And, and, uh, so I finally went to an ophthalmologist and they, they figured out that I had pushed my left eyeball two millimeters deeper into my skull than the other one. Wow. And that's why I was having the double vision. And the doctor said, well, your brain should compensate for it. But if it doesn't, we'll do the surgery where we take your eye out of your head and we take cartilage from your shoulder and use it to put a line of eye socket and put your eyeball back in. (laughs) Oh, bro, (laughs) my brain will compensate. (laughs) So fortunately it did. But uh, I still like, like, you know, like when I go to a back East National or something, and I'm out late and get up at four in the morning to get on a plane. I'll have double vision and be a little bit dizzy. So, like, still, that still wow. haunts me a little bit. And then, uh, you know, then obviously, I don't Did you ever see the video of me crashing into that tractor tire with my head in the first turn? That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, that, that video. Yeah. And actually, I, was, I noticed there was a photo from this last weekend that you, uh, like, at that after that, one crash you kind of swore on uh uh neck braces for the rest of your riding days but i don't think you were wearing one uh this last weekend oh calling me out well, we'll get to that in a sec but yes yeah so that one was gnarly because you know i i went in the first turn and i don't know why they had a tractor tire marking the first turn but Sometimes. my uh my t- my bike blew up and i went down the first turn and hit my head on the tractor tire and in my in my mind i woke up over a month later but I guess I woke up in the ambulance. But there's like like that video you're talking about where I'm like talking about good helmets and the neck brace. I don't right. remember making that. Um, so there's like a month in my life I don't remember. Oh, so and I can't really cover. even call you out on that because you may not have even made that video. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, there, you know, we have a cover of Jason Lawrence that year of him jumping away from the camera doing a scrub it's a pretty cool shot and uh i shot that cover photo and i wrote the cover story and i have no recollection of any of it wow. it's pretty pretty kooky but yeah head injuries are no joke man oh 100 percent. no i i've uh, i'm lucky that i've haven't had anything quite like that uh some double vision a couple of times some big crashes but nothing that stayed for any uh prolonged amount of time uh the brain is a pretty uh pretty 
fickle thing is as those like you talk to any expert um and even they would tell you that their brain injuries are like snowflakes you you can't uh like we don't even really learn a lot from one particular one because they're all so different from different uh different angles and and different recoveries and like obviously there's there's different ways you can treat stuff but uh there's no hard and fast way to to diagnose there's hard no no accurate timeline to see when things are going to improve if they if they will improve yeah but uh it's pretty crazy yeah, you, you you break your leg and the doctor says okay in six weeks of exactly better. yep and you they know, know. You, they can't say anything about a brain injury no like they have they used to say like 10 years ago they'd be oh it's a uh it's a light concussion or it's a, a bad concussion like there's there there that, that doesn't exist anymore no definitely not so why did you put down the the, the neck brace just wanted to be a cool guy like me or what no, um, so I've got two broken collarbones, and I've got plates in both my collarbones. Okay. Um, so that's one excuse, if you want to call it an excuse. But, uh, yeah, the, the second, when I broke my other collarbone, I, when I fell, as I was going over and rolling on my head, I, it was when the new version of uh, XYZ brand brace came out that okay. didn't have a whole lot of padding on it. And I remember as I was crashing and rolling, I was thinking in my head, man, this new one is not as soft. <laughs> and right when I thought that, <laughs> whoosh, Click. I remember my collarbone stamped, right? So no big deal. Yeah, I'd rather have a broken collarbone than a broken neck. But dude, I, when I put a, a brace on now, it hits both of my plates, like where the screws are. Right. And it just kills, right? So that's one reason. <clears throat> the other reason is uh, I had this oddball crash. Uh, the first year the Dungy Edition uh, KTM came out, I had this weird crash. And the XYZ brand brace I was wearing, it kind of karate chopped my neck and uh, pinched a nerve in my... Uh, I can't even remember the numbers. I know it's four or five, but I don't know the letter. C. <laughs> but, but so I have this, yeah, C, C four or five. So I have a pinched nerve in there, right? And it was weird. It happened, I crashed on a Friday, and by Sunday, which was Father's Day that day, that year, I had this gnarly, gnarly pain inside my left arm that only felt better if I had, like, pulled my wrist up, to, up underneath my chin, like, you know, like, Tyrannosaurus Rex arm, you know? Okay. And so I had this pinched nerve, so I ended up going to chiropractor and then ended up going to the, you know, the regular doctor. Um, I had, uh, I had spinal decompression treatments. I had a spinal epidural. Um, so they got the pain to go away, but I, now I have a permanent, my thumb and my index finger, and parts of my middle finger on my left hand are numb. Like, I can't really... It's kind of like they're asleep. I could feel them, but I can't really feel them. Really? So, I've got that going on with my left arm. And uh kind of bugs me when I ride moto sometimes. I make my hand go to sleep completely, and I have to, like, look down. To... But actually, when I'm mountain biking, I physically have to look down to see if I have my finger on the brake or not, because I can't tell. But, uh... Just that combined with the discomfort of it all, it's just, uh, you know, I just didn't wear it one day and was really scared and then didn't wear it the second day and wasn't scared. 
gotten to the point where I'm comfortable without it. I mean, I still would never tell someone not to wear one because, dude, motocross is gnarly. It's a dangerous sport. I think you should wear every bit of protective equipment you can. Totally. You know, it's just right now for me, there's not one I could comfortably wear. And I'll tell you, he's a good ambassador for it because I was messing with RV's Atlas Brace this weekend. And he was like, put it on, put it on. He's trying to get me to, trying to get me to wear one, but uh, it kind of pushed on my sternum right where my plate ends. And so that's why I won't wear that one either. Fair enough. Well, uh, there, there's always a reason behind the decisions we make. Glad to get to the bottom of that one. Don, uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's closer to 9 o'clock uh, your time as, as uh, the tr- clock strikes 11 here in the central time zone. Uh, I should probably let you get some dinner in you before you uh, tackle yet another day over at Transworld Motocross. <laughs> yeah, I've got to, uh, got to work on some stories. 100% deadline was on Monday, and I've got three left. Perfect. Well, uh, yeah, uh, you're, you're past your deadline, but I really appreciate you giving me some time. Went a little longer than expected, but I think that's for the better. Really enjoyed the conversation, my friend. Let's do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, my friend. Don't hang up just yet. For podcast's sake, we're going to cut it off right there. All right.